This is a Chronicle podcast, bringing you ideas in the service of medicine. From the Chronicle podcast system, this is the NPC podcast of the National Pharmaceutical Congress for November 15, 2023. The NPC podcast is where we discuss and consider the pharma industry's purpose, process and people, and today, we'll continue the healthcare conversation. This program is presented in cooperation with Impress, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. The industry is rapidly evolving, and Impress is designed to help you evolve with it. Learn more about Impress tailored best-in-class solutions at www.impress.com. Our guest today is Jennifer Wellman. Jennifer is Senior Marketing Manager of Emergent Biosolutions, and she will speak with your hosts, Jim, Mark, and Mitch. And now let's start today's conversation. Here's Mitch Shannon, CEO of Chronicle Companies. Welcome back to the NPC podcast from the National Pharmaceutical Congress. I'm your co-host, Mitch Shannon, back again live from our podcast, Gondola, high above Pill Hill, overlooking the famous intersection of Lotrimin Court and the Lorne Markowitz Toll Road. We're back in the gondola in the aftermath of Halloween. Boy, it seems like a long time ago. We're stocked with post-Halloween Hershey's peanut butter cups, as provided by our co-host James Shea, a veteran trick-or-treater. Jim is the general manager at the Council for Continuing Pharmaceutical Education in Montreal. Jim, please feel free to share with our audience your Halloween experiences. You know, I got a long history of Halloween. It's one of my favorite uh, little, what do we call it, holidays or celebrations. But with my kids being old enough that uh, they really haven't gone out for Halloween for a decade, I've developed a strategy for getting my fill of the mini chocolate bars. You know, they're like sandwiches. You, The party sandwiches, you always eat a lot more than they think you're eating. So uh, I always eat more than I, I, I normally should do when it comes to the chocolate bars. But you know, I always answer the door at least 10, 15 times, making sure that I'm there. And every once in a while, I pocket one of our own giveaways so that, uh, you know, I have my fill. And then when my wife takes the uh, the count at the end of the night, she always overestimates. And I've set myself up for next year. So there you go. Now, that's the way I still enjoy Halloween. These are the lives of North American males. Another worthy post-Halloween specimen is Mr. Mark McElwain the pharma industry consultant, health policy expert, and advocate of peanut butter-based confectionaries. Mark, did you and Susie once again experience the flaming bag on the doorstep prank that seems to sweep through Leaside every year at this time? You know, the pranks have become increasingly rare lately. I think the kids really want treats and not tricks, but maybe that's okay. I can remember when our kids were little, there was this guy across the street, and I think his day job was to be a spook, you know, that is, he worked in the Secret Service, although he wasn't allowed to admit it to me. Anyway, he set up uh, on his porch a very lifelike scarecrow. And of course, when the kids got up there on the porch, the scarecrow mm, turned out to move and scare the daylights out of everybody, including the parents. So maybe it's good just to stick to candy. Hmm. That's somewhat profound, Mark, but we are a spooktacular podcast hosts known as Jim, Mark, and Mitch, because all the scariest brand names have already been claimed, such as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Whip Electric Toothbrush, and Emergent Biosolutions. Speaking of which, we are excited to have as our guest today, 
someone whose surname reflects their occupation, kind of in the same way that Jim Kick was a professional football player of all things. So here's Jennifer Wellman. Jen, come on in the gondola. Thanks a lot. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yes. Thanks for joining us. So you are the Senior Marketing Manager at Emergent. The company's been around for 25 years, probably best known for Norcan, which is used for uh, opioid over overdoses. What was it about Emergent that attracted you to join their group? To be honest, you sort of nailed it with uh, mentioning Narcan. Um, it really was the opportunity. I mean, I've been in the industry for quite some time, but the opportunity to work on a product that quite literally can help change lives instantaneously. You know, the other part was, you know, I was very much attracted by the team that was currently there. And it was exciting to move into a marketing role at a company that I had the opportunity to work with some very smart female leaders, which is always exciting. Plus, the team was sufficiently small that we had the opportunity where we could be nimble. And I mean, in my career, I've always been in environments where I've been at companies where there's that opportunity to be able to jump in and take on multiple roles to just really help with developing additional skills. Jennifer, it's Mark. So in your rapidly evolving business, which uh, the marketing, I believe, would involve selling it to some public health organizations. So I'm just wondering what challenges you face in marketing and how you stay ahead of the curve. Some of the things that are challenging is you're right. In this particular space, we are dealing with a lot of different audiences and customers. So it's trying to make sure that you're suitably marketing to them, but also in the context of our industry, which we know is heavily regulated. There are a lot of hoops to jump through to make sure that you're doing things compliantly. And then kind of, I would say, like probably very much recently, it's just trying to keep ahead of some of the rapid advances in technology. So that's something that certainly has created and some challenges, but also some really exciting opportunities. And I mean, so the way that I try to stay ahead of the curve is actually with being part of groups like this. So like attending conferences, being able to learn from peers, and also I'll say, and I'll kind of allude to this a bit later, being able to lean on a lot of my agency partners. So it's just that opportunity. I find that they sometimes, they do a lot of reading and they have the benefit of being able to work with a lot of different industries. And I think right now that's kind of, Something that I think the pharma industry and healthcare has to do is to kind of learn from some other industries that have kind of adapted and, and moved forward perhaps a little bit faster. Okay. So I'm going to ask uh, about cross-functional teams, and I'm wondering how you collaborate with teams in various parts of your organization to align with effective marketing strategies. So the key that I've found has been to really bring in multiple stakeholders, bring them in early. And that just helps with just making sure that you're from the get-go getting a lot of different perspectives and also quite honestly, kind of making sure that you don't have any blind sites in terms of potential hurdles that you may not have even thought of. About. You know, when I bring members onto the team, I like to also make it very clear to them that they're there because I recognize the different perspective that they bring because I want them to be able to come and look at it and wear those different hats that perhaps myself as a marketer may not necessarily have um, that immediate line of sight. That's what I like to do when I'm collaborating with them. And then also it's just, you know, recognizing that the fact that when you have a group together, sometimes people aren't always comfortable with maybe saying they don't know. So I try to lead by example. And, you know, with things changing so quickly in this industry, there are those instances where you're like, I'm not clear on this, or could you provide some more clarity. I'm always the first to kind of jump in to do that because I want the rest of the team to realize that it's okay to do that too. No, that's, that's it. It's Jim here, Jen. 
I'm going to switch gears for a second here. I understand that you're a biochemist from uh, McMaster. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, all the brainiacs are always in biochemistry. So, you know. That's nice of you to say. I like that. <laughs> I'm the oceanography guy who always looked at the biochemist going, okay, yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you've done a lot of different things. How do you end up, you know, going from biochemistry into marketing, multiple different job capacities? For sure. Well, I mean, it is an interesting starting point. So really it came about where, I mean, I was probably very fortunate that right after university, I actually did have a job and it happened to be, it was in the pharma industry, but it was at a company that did contract pharmaceutical manufacturing. So it was kind of starting there, being in the pharma space. And I would say that the benefit from working there is that it did give me the opportunity because I worked there as a summer job and then also as full-time. I had the ability to realize that perhaps maybe working on a bench wasn't where I necessarily wanted to be. But because it was a large company, I had the opportunity to move into a few other roles while I was there. So figuring that out quickly, I would say was a benefit. And then while I was there, you know, I worked in quality and then in marketing. And then after that, moved to the agency side and stayed in pharmaceutical marketing as an agency partner. And then kind of did the typical route, ended up carrying the bag for a few years after that, and then landed where I am now at Emergent Biosolutions. Excellent. I mean, I always find it interesting that people say, you're an oceanographer, how do you end up in pharma? But I mean, there's so many transferable skills that you're learning. So through your educational and your work history, what's your answer to somebody who comes up to you and says, you know, how did all that other background, how does it all not contribute to your success in what you're doing? To be honest, I think having that diverse background makes a big difference because at the end of the day, to be successful and you touched on collaboration, I think the key to that is creating that open environment and sort of having the perspective of other people and realizing that it's all about trying to help you with understanding people's motivations. So if you've had the opportunity to be in different roles, you kind of have the understanding of where people are coming from and what's potentially important to them. And so I think that that ultimately is the thing that served me well. Like certainly I'll say in this current role as a marketing manager, having the background of working agency side and as a product manager, marketing manager, you're working with a lot of different agency vendors, but then also having a working client side, as we'd say, and understanding the language and motivations of a product manager, it helps. I think, to be able to really know what is sort of the motivation and what are the key drivers for the people you're working with. And it also helps you with focusing and getting to what it is they need to know to do what they need to do. So knowing how an agency works and then conversely knowing how a corporation works, you can kind of get to the heart of what are the key things to tell the people you're working with for them to be able to do what it is you're asking them to do. Yeah, no, you're a fine example of not necessarily have to stick in your own lane. I keep telling people, don't worry. You know, if, if you're doing one thing here now, you're not stuck. You'll be able to transport the knowledge that you've learned and the skills that you've developed into other things too. So go try something different and you'll be better for it. Yeah. It's very true. It's true. It's funny. I, I always think about this, that someone had told me when I was starting like post-secondary, like after I completed post-secondary university. Because I had, I will say, I very much had that mindset. I did biochemistry. I'm going to be someone on a bench for doing research. And this is probably not something that post-secondary education institutions want to hear. But what they said was basically, at the end of the day, all that it shows you is that you're able to set a goal and complete tasks. And if you kind of look at it from that bigger picture, 
I think that's allowed me to look at what I've done in terms of jobs and things on that career path is to be able to step back and say, okay, I've done this action, but what has it fundamentally, what does it show? We're here with the aptly named Jennifer Wellman. She's the Senior Marketing Manager of Emergent Biosolutions here on the NPC podcast. So in your experience, Jen, what are the key differences between marketing in the uh, life sciences sector and other kinds of businesses? Well, I would say the biggest one is most likely the fact that it's so highly regulated. The other thing I would say that for the reason, because of the high regulation, it tends to have longer lead times in terms of how long it takes from the inception of an idea to actually execution. And I say that having that experience of, although I've been in pharmaceutical marketing, and even when I worked agency side, that was my specialty, I did have the benefit of working at agencies where there were other verticals that they worked in. So be it consumer packaged goods, to some degree financial, but I would say that it's most closely aligned with pharmaceuticals. So being able to see those spaces and retail, they tend to just move faster because they sort of have to, their cycles tend to be quicker. The other difference is that I would say that as an industry, and I think it's getting better, and I think that technology has forced it to do so, is that I would say that in pharmaceuticals, the innovation hasn't necessarily been something that's happened quite often. And there tends to be sort of that approach of this is how we've done it, and we'll keep doing it this way. But I think it's changing. I think technology's forced it to change. Like I was encouraged when I was at a conference a few weeks ago and it was talking about technology and pharmaceutical marketing. And it was interesting that a lot more of the attendees tended to have experience from other industries. And that wasn't necessarily something that I would see most often. Interesting industries like hospitality, like certainly from retail, other e-commerce backgrounds. A lot of the individuals that I met that happened to work perhaps in like digital strategies at some of these pharmaceutical agencies came from other places. And I don't recall that necessarily being the case maybe like five to 10 years ago. Jennifer's marketing. So let's go a little bit further into, you know, despite the regulation and the rigidity in some marketing approaches, we've got to keep striving for creativity to stay ahead of the competition and maybe ahead of the regulators, he says, as a former regulator. So how do you foster that culture of creativity and innovation within your team? I mean, I think that part of it comes down to, and interesting that you, as an ex-regulator, I think the key is to always be questioning. So I would say that, just as an example, like I think of when I was, you know, like working agency side, you're working with the regulators, you're working with regulatory bodies. And I've always found that the path forward was to always ask questions. You may have a roadblock that gets put up or someone's trying to limit something, but I found I always had success if you ask, well, why is it? And you try to get deeper to the root as to where perhaps that barrier may lie. So, you know, I think that in order to be able to encourage that creativity, it allow people the sort of the freedom to ask questions of why and to be able to probe further and so that nobody feels that anybody's necessarily attacking you, but it's just you need to get to the root to be able to solve sort of the issue. And then it's kind of how I touched on with that collaboration, like do that questioning, leading by example, and then just reminding people that you're bringing them to the table because of the expertise they have. They're the subject matter expert in something. And then conversely, acknowledging that you're bringing them there because it's area that you may not have the deep subject matter expertise. And I think sometimes that's always hard is, or doesn't always come to fruition is that you're saying I'm bringing you there because I know it's something I'm lacking. 
And I want you there because you are the one that has the deeper knowledge than I do. Good point about talking to the regulators. It's always easier to say no if you haven't looked at the whites of the eyes of the people you're, uh, you're dealing with. Now, you know, we see that you're active on the volunteer front. I read about holiday helpers, the Library Foundation of Friends of Henrietta Park. I just wonder if you could share your motivations for uh, getting involved with, you know, one of these organizations. I can chalk up the Friends of Henrietta Park. Quite honestly, as I will say, probably a bit of mat leave, I don't want to say boredom, but a bit of mat leave needing to keep busy. So this is a local group that I've started just in my community where uh, we're fortunate that our street, we have a park very close to the end of it. And so we created a Friends of Henrietta Park organization and it started with, there was an interest to want to do it. I'm on the newsletter from my counselor about different initiatives and I kind of jumped in and took the reins and it started with a pumpkin parade. Not sure if everybody's familiar with those, but the city of Toronto in various communities, there are certain parks where the day after Halloween, so November 1st, everybody in the community can bring all of their pumpkins to the park and they will line them all up and light them up. And it's called the pumpkin parade. So it gives your pumpkins another life. It also allows them to be disposed of properly. And I believe the city actually partners with a couple of animal shelters and places like that where some animals will use have the gourds as food. So it started with that. And it was just it was something that I wanted to do. I was getting to the end of my mat leave and I wanted to do something where I could engage with members of my community. And that was probably coming up like 10 years ago. And it's been going strong ever since. Well, so uh, you got to stop because you're making me tired just listening to you. And basically you got family, you got personal, you got professional responsibilities, and then you got your volunteer com commitments. How do you do all of that? Yeah, Hyperthyroidism? What's, what's going on there? So it's a bit of planning. And I will say a lot of it has to do with like very supportive family. So I will do a shout out there. But also in some capacities, just trying to create those boundaries and also identifying, recognizing that I can control how much I do in each of those areas. And so being able to, and I'll say this is something that I have to continually work on, is realize that you can't do it all. Pick the things that you want to do because you want to do them well. And then you can still be involved in those different things. And in some capacities, it means delegating. So, I mean, with our friends of Henrietta Park, now after it's been going strong for a number of years, we have a group, a core group that gets things done. So being able to delegate things and passing it along to other other community members so that they can help with the coordination or, or running events. Well, I got to take my hat off to you. That's something. I feel like we're, we're going to start to slow down because we're coming down to the end of the podcast. But it, ironically, we're going to ask you for some short snapping answers here where you play our word association game. So just go ahead and say the first things that come to mind in response to the uh, word or phrase that I'm, I'm going to say. So, and no pressure, we're allotting points and, uh, you know, guests really get a lot of points usually. So we're going to see how well you do on this. What's the prize then with the point? Oh, no, you just get the flex. That's all. I mean, that, that's all you just, hey, tomorrow around the water cooler, you can say, hey, I got a Google Plex worth of points, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So, so here we go with our first one, uh, biochemistry. So the first thing that comes to mind is organic chemistry. 
yuck. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not that I'm being judgmental. They're not going to give you points for that. <laughs> Healthcare marketing. New channels moving away from the traditional. Volunteerism. Fulfilling and good for all. Innovation. Challenging, but exciting. Fundraising. Needed. It's always needed. Always needed. <laughs> Collaboration. Um, necessary for innovation. Well, you know what? I think you are going to boast about uh, a Googleplex worth of points. What do you think, gentlemen? Jim's mm, a pretty tough marker, but uh, something tells me he's about to go with the Googleplex. You know, it was good for honesty. So finally, it's time to put on your soothsayer's hat and enter our prognostication corner. So we're going to ask you what bold predictions you'd like to make about the life sciences industry during the coming 12 to 24 months. Here's the bold prediction. This is, this is something that it never seems like I said, could we finally be seeing the death of fact? <laughs> oh wow it's hung on for so long <laughs> i just don't know well wait a minute i have a clarification i'm all the way here in montreal and i wasn't sure is that the death of f-a-c-t-s or f-a-x because you know both both seem to be appropriate <laughs> f-a-x well you know what jim Here's the thing, Jim, you you could be because it's like I, I'm thinking the death of facts a little bit like F-A-X, a bit tongue in cheek, but quite serious. Like, but seriously, what I actually think is that like a bold prediction is that I think that AI is going to be something that's going to be coming in and it'll be used a lot more often. So, I mean, kind of looking at the fact that how quickly chat GPT kind of caught on and it hasn't even been a year since that was launched, quite frankly. Trying to predict that, I am not sure. You could have touched on something with the death of facts, F-A-C-T, if it does continue with the same momentum that it has now. <laughs> I better advertise mine on uh, Craigslist tonight and if we're killing them. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. It has come up a lot. And I mean, uh, to be honest, like I just think that right now the only prediction is that that's the one thing I think that's too difficult to predict. Well, we have a rule around here that anyone who mentions AI has to put a loony in the swear jar. So, uh, so Jen, we'll see you in just a few days at the uh, National Pharmaceutical Congress at the Mississauga Convention Center on November 22nd. We're going to be presenting some original case study findings on multi-channel marketing for pharma, and we will definitely be all ears on this vital topic. The agenda and the registration link for the Congress is www.pharmacongress.info. Jen, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to seeing you. And to everyone out there in NPC podcast land, thank you for listening. We'll speak to you again next week. If you've got questions or comments for Jennifer, you can send an email to health at chronicle.org. Get it off your mind and tell us what you think about today's episode. Please send us your comments. And who knows? You might just become part of a future episode. We hope you enjoyed today's NPC podcast. If you did, Please like it, rate it, recommend it, and make a point of sharing it with your network. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or, to keep things simple, just ask your smart device to play the National Pharmaceutical Congress podcast on Audible, Spotify, Amazon Music or TuneIn Radio. 
The NPC podcast is presented in cooperation with Impress, Canada's next generation commercial partner. Check them out at www.impress.com. As for me, I'm your dependable announcer, Leona Void. Speaking. This podcast was produced by Jeremy Visser, with help from Alan Ryan. Research for this program came from Amy Ray Elder. The musical theme is performed with unbridled passion by the NPC Podcast Orchestra, under the direction of Maestro McSorley Melbrook. We'll be back to speak with you again next week.